Okay, here we go now. Well, welcome to Old Dog New Tech, the podcast that explores edtech ideas, innovations, and integration methods from the experienced old dog side of things. My name is Jeff West, and I've been a K-12 music educator for 27 years, and I am passionate about edtech. I love using it. So let's get started at taking a look at how this can be used in your classroom. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Old Dog New Tech. I'm Jeff West. In this episode, I'm going to be taking a look at online teaching. With so many schools closing for a few weeks, um, you know, I'm sure the question on every teacher's mind is how do I teach online? Seems I see a lot of questions on Twitter and different um, social media posts. And I see many ed tech companies making some of their uh, premium features free, realizing that we're going to need to go online. And so I think that's a great service. But I'm going to try and lay out some steps here that you take before you get to those tools. It's, I think they're vital to ensuring that you get some meaningful learning experience, uh, experiences for your students, but also you, that you limit the extra work on your part. Um, tools for delivering content are important to consider, but answering the questions of why and the approach to how are these important considerations must be addressed before choosing the tools. I think of it kind of like uh, putting together a toy for your child if you have children. Or if you put together a, I don't know, a TV stand or some, you know, piece of furniture um, that has all kinds of screws and different pre-drilled holes and so forth, or shelving. It really hit me that was a lot by shelving. So what do I mean? Well, I'm going to tell you a story uh, about putting together several shelving units and when I was younger and uh, draw some parallels to tech integration. Shelving and tech integration. Hmm. So in this segment, I titled this one, Tab A Does Not Always Fit on Hook B. When I was in high school, um, my dad was tasked with putting together several metal shelving units for uh, a new middle school. Uh, So he took me along for quote-unquote help. Now understand, God gave me a lot of talents, but mechanical talents were always difficult, or in most cases, elusive. But I tried my best. Part of the challenge was getting the shelves to slip on a metal hook of sorts that enabled you to move the shelf higher or lower on the four metal posts with multiple slots and that these hooks slipped into. So you're probably getting the picture. There are a lot of possibilities for error. And getting a hook in each of the same holes on each of the four posts and then getting the shelf on to slide onto the hook without the hook popping off and falling on the floor and going under another shelving unit well you know you're getting a picture maybe so it was difficult not to mention that these uh since these shelves were metal they were often bent slightly or the pre-drilled holes would be off slightly so this would throw my ability 
way out of whack. So I had to have one one time I'd have to have uh, hold on to the shelf and then onto the leg, and I would get a leg upside down, which me- meant that I had to let go of the shelf and flip the leg. Now remember, I said I'm mechanically challenged, so usually I whacked something on in the time that I was doing that, turning it back around the right way. So it became quite frustrating, to say the least. Oh, and I forgot to mention that the shelves, they're reinforced with these metal bars that go as an X between the back two legs. And they use small metal machine screws that my big fingers had a difficult time holding. So I'd be holding a bar and a screw and a shelf in one hand and a screwdriver in the other, and I'd drop the screw. So you'd hear it clank on the metal shelf and go sliding, of course, off the front, which means then you have to drop everything, go around, pick up the screw, come back, pick everything up. Frustrating. Now let's fast forward to integrating tech or teaching online. Do you feel the same frustration? I mean, I know I do, and I love tech, and I've been working with integrating it in the classroom for five to ten years. So what can we learn from my shelving unit story other than I have limited mechanical abilities, that is. Like the shelves, tech doesn't come with a clear or perfect design. There are directions and video tutorials, but how often does a piece of tech work exactly as the video? Sometimes things go great, but many times we're left wondering what to do or what do I do now if it doesn't work as I thought it would. The reason is often focused on having a clear picture of the end product and anticipating possible issues. Now, I, I know we do this in the classroom, but but I think with technology, there are some other possibilities that we can utilize that maybe we weren't thinking about. I remember uh, the directions for the shelving unit being difficult to read and the pictures weren't very helpful and there was no video at that time. I learned from these directions and I apply it to my use of tech. I learned that you need very specific directions and it's good to have a model, a picture of the actual unit when it's finished front and back, not just a nice pencil drawing on the front cover that's what this that's what the shelving directions look like i remember looking in there going how how does this help me i get it that it looks like a shelf but you couldn't see any of the fine details so i have three questions that i like to answer before i choose how um, i hope deliver or assign digital content to the students first one what do you want the students to learn the second one what do you want the end product to be And thirdly, is this a time to try a new tool or use a tool that you are comfortable with? The first question, probably the easiest question. What do you want the students to learn? Something that we've all been trained on and written a million goals and objectives and SWLs or however it is that you look at your lesson plans and um, and plan f- for the ultimate end goal of either a lesson or a class or a unit. But when we're integrating tech, we have a, a, a great opportunity because we can't save and go back and look at examples online 
instead of having to say try to look at someone's paper. We have a great opportunity to look at how they communicated, or they're collaborating, or they their creativity, their critical thinking skills, and taking the four C's from the universal design of learning for learning. And、um, I don't think we should overlook the opportunity to build that into our online teaching.、Um, you know, a little deeper requirement of research. Um, on an assignment, you can do a lot more、um, polling and getting the feel for your students'、um, understanding if they're on、uh, with you、uh, synchronously or at the same time. But if not, you can always do a pre and a post form of some sort to get the feel if they if they understood what was going on, and then create、uh, you know a video. Um, now, see, I'm getting clear past this first question, but ultimately, what do you want the students to learn? With tech, you have the chance not just to learn about your focus on a particular historical point or scientific fact, or、uh, even a writing style or author, or whatever it may be.、Um, you can also focus on. Giving your students opportunity to develop their critical thinking skills and research, their creativity skills, and which tools you utilize or how you want them to present the content back to you.、Um, there are many opportunities here to teach things. I think that before technology, we had to get the construction paper and the crayons and all the different art.、Um, Supplies, or we'd have to figure out how to get the building materials if we're going to build something associated with,、uh, you know, the lesson. But tech gives us so many、uh, possibilities、um, that I think when you're deciding what you want your students to learn, that not just content of what you're presenting in your subject area, but you know these four C's to start with, or、uh, universal. Design、um, uh, for learning UDL, as it's shortened to, has a, a great website that has many facets that you can consider global considerations.、Um, you know, how does it apply to the community? If that if that would fit.、Um, sometimes I know when I was considering early on what my students would learn. I wanted them to learn, you know, music technique.、Uh, however, if they also created a a good performance video, where I could see them,、uh, so they're managing the technology, whether they're playing their instrument online or creating something of instruction online for, say, a job in the future,、um, the skills transfer. So when you're considering what your students will learn, don't just. I encourage you not to to limit it to just your content. Question number two: What's the end product? What would it look like? Have you seen an example that, and you want to use it? Google it. Google what you're thinking. 
type in the exact words. Don't be afraid. Don't think you have to come up with this scientific research terminology. Type in exactly what it is that you're interested in.、Uh, I've had great success with finding some really cool ideas by googling exactly my idea. There's probably, in many cases, a free template that you、uh, can use, or you can always make it yourself. You know, within this question is a.、Uh, And it kind of leads me to another, and I mentioned it before. But are you delivering this as the students are online with you synchronously, or will they see it at another time, at their at their convenience, asynchron asynchronously? So the question that's the biggest one on the list is really, for me, in many cases, this one. But it's not number one for me because I feel like students drive the learning. And、uh, they're the force behind the development, delivery, and assessment of content. The end product also should consider possible barriers that you or your students will face in creating and using the content. You'll want to be flexible and provide your students with opportunities to choose how they create content. You'll you'll、uh, want to provide a model. And access to tutorials of using the tool and creating the end product. But good news: once you do this, it's there. You can edit it. You won't have to go make copies of it, or organize stacks of turned-in assignments, or find it in the metal filing cabinet that's all rusty and you can't get the drawer open. It'll all be there. So. It's a lot of front-end work, but once it gets rolling,、um, you'll find that you're getting a lot more data and a lot more feedback, and you're able to provide feedback in a,、uh, a, a quick and meaningful way. And we can't forget the aspect that the youngsters, the generation that we're teaching, this clicking and pushing buttons and sliding and whatever else type of action online. That you do to manipulate uh, uh, an app or a website—that's creating that relationship, that that touch. Particularly, we know it helps go to memory. So, you know, I think in deciding your end product, that's usually my first question to myself or to anyone when they say, "Hey, I would like to really use Google Slides." And have my students create a presentation about ants. And I said, okay.、Um, are you looking for them to do a little voiceover with it? Do you want them? Are they just getting pictures? Are they? You know, I start asking different questions to to find out what the end product. What's your vision? Or I just ask them. That depends on.、Uh, you know, sometimes the vision's clear. Sometimes the answer is, yeah, I just want them to get four or five slides of picture of ants. Other times, it's I、uh, know I want them to do a timeline of the evolution. Well, if you're familiar with slides, that's the tool for you. But if you're familiar with something else and you don't have time to teach them about using that tool, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but. This is why the the end product question is so important. You know what you want your students to learn, and don't be afraid to paint with a broader stroke. And the end product, ultimately, what would you like it to look like? 
Sometimes this question is really important and minute detail, and we have to be sure exactly what we're doing because maybe this is a culminating activity of everything you've been doing, or maybe this is just an introductory activity. And so it's a quick and easy answer. But I think it's a question you need to ask. Otherwise, you can find yourself assigning something, a piece of tech that you haven't used, and or that you have, and what you get back from the students is maybe not as high of quality as you'd like. Question three, is it time for a new tool or use one that is in your wheelhouse? I like to say that, it's just right in your wheelhouse. Most of the time I use tools I know. So that means I probably have four or five tools. I think on this podcast, I've done my go-to tools and I've done one. It seemed to be a pretty popular episode about using my phone to the computer. You know, there's just uh, about five apps that I really use on a regular basis. But I like to try a new tool and see what happens. And usually this is when I'm pre-assessing students or delivering content. So I'm comfortable with the content. I'm comfortable with the delivery. And this is also face-to-face. So if we're online and they can't see my face and I'm delivering content, I probably am going to go to something that's in my wheelhouse. If I want to try something different, I think a screencast would be best. Just so that as you're doing it, you can also show... Um, your critical thinking and your creativity and and overcoming, you know, obstacles. I think that's important. We teach students how to do that as as much as teaching what our content area uh, requirements are. It's very important. So for assignment and assessments, like I said, I think I would just use what I know. I also ask colleagues about the specific tool. Or um, I read and watch a lot of reviews. YouTube, baby. Use YouTube. It's almost always someone on there saying, here's how you use this. And I like this. And then while they may not be giving you a review, you can see the interface. You know, is this something that you're going to be comfortable with and your students are? Do you like the outcome then when it's all done? Is it easy to turn in and share? Do you have to embed it? Does it go through several steps? Does it, does it house it on its own website? I'm not big on tools that do that. A lot of the tools for coding keep all of the projects on the website. Some allow you to download it and save it so that you could then upload it again. But sometimes it's on that website and you hope that you saved it properly and then it's there when you come back. Um... I don't know of too many other that do that, but you got to check it and you got to watch as you're picking your tool. So if you're experimenting, that's just a question you might want to take a look at. And also, how do they use your information and your students' information? I don't usually like to use a website that asks for much more than the student's email. And if I can just put their first name in, then that's awesome. If you don't have um, a learning management system uh, by your school, um, like my school uses Schoology, there's Canvas, there's Blackboard. Um, They often have rubric creators 
that allow you to connect a specific uh, a rubric to a specific assignment. Um, and this rubric then would help with whether you're using a tool that you know or a tool that you don't. You can often lay out the exact expectations that you have. If not, um, many of the Google Suite applications, Docs, Sheets, and so forth have have add-ons that will allow you to do a rubric and assess. Uh, I know Google Docs has several um, that I have used. I'm trying to think of some names right now. That's why I might pausing. Joe Crew, I think it's called J-O-E and C-R-E-W. Maybe it's Joe Zoo. I think it's Joe Zoo Crew. Kaizena. Um, K-A-I-Z-E-N-A allow you to create some rubrics and then you can open that add-on and choose the rubric you created and grade a student's uh, Google Doc and then it will email uh, the results in your comments to the students. So, again, that might be a new tool for you. It might be something that you want to try on um, an opening assignment of answer these three questions about ants. And then you can assess that. Um, but again, if it's an opening assignment and you're just trying to get the idea, um, excuse me, the knowledge of what their students know, assess their, their um, existing knowledge, then maybe a Google form is the way to go. And you can always set points through there. They allow you to make it a quiz if that is important to you. Um, again, all of them take time to set up, but uh, the grading is a bit easier. And in, more importantly, it enables you to clearly communicate your expectations. So make the decision. Is it a tool that you know how to use or a tool that you're going to experiment with? And I encourage you to keep experimenting because there are great new tools being developed all the time. Um, and uh, it's easy to get stuck in uh, one way of thinking and technology definitely doesn't do that. I don't necessarily claim to be an expert in the delivery of online content. Um, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure that we have uh, any true 100% experts, but it, because it's impossible to anticipate everything or know every tool. That's why flexibility is key. That's why you look at what your students are going to learn, what you want them to learn. You look at the end product and how you're going to get there. And you make the decision upon what tool you want to use. Now, I don't want to leave you thinking these are the only three questions or you only ask, you know, question number three has a lot of possibilities in deciding what tool should I use. Um, if you decide to explore, you might want to take a look at their different questionnaires of ways to evaluate technology. Uh, and there are check marks. You know, is it user-friendly? Is it um, accessibility? Uh, for you know people that need a larger font or different language or all those types of things are important to consider depending on the end product and what you want your students to learn uh, 
Like the shelves that I tried to put together, there are many considerations and tools to incorporate. And you're going to drop a screw, or you're going to put on a part wrong, and you're going to have to do things over. That's okay. Don't forget about your, your colleagues. I bet that they would love to help out or love to collaborate. You know, now I think about it. When I held the shelf and my dad put on the braces and shelves or vice versa, it was slower, but it was easier and more effective. Episode 65 Tech Tip um, is both a tech tip and an integration idea. Communication. Don't forget to communicate, as I said earlier in the, in this episode, you know, between your students turning in assignments and communicating their learning and understanding, and you can communicate with your colleagues. You follow what I'm saying. There's chat. There's group post tools. I've posted some. Uh, in the notes, in the show notes, back chat channel allows you to create a discussion room. Uh, Zoom is a way that I know my daughter said her university is going to uh, get together and meet uh, a video conference. Uh, Join Me is a Chrome browser extension where you can share your screen and invite others to come into the session. Um, there's also another screen share um, extension that allows for uh, a conferencing where you can be the presenter and questions can be asked while you're presenting so they don't interrupt. Or you can do it much more like a, a, a discussion and you know maybe a whiteboard or you're drawing and sharing or typing things in. Take a look at each of these. Um, maybe they'll meet the needs. There are many others. You're probably familiar with a few more than what I just said. But communicate. I think that we're going to learn about how to communicate better with these weeks often uh, due to the uh, coronavirus. And I think we're going to learn ways to overcome and ways that we took for granted and utilize them on a larger scale. Instead of just a few people utilizing them, I think most of us, all of us are going to be required to learn this. So, you know, take some time, figure it out. As always, you can drop me a note at olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. And let me know if you have a question. Hope you enjoyed the show this week. I will be podcasting a little more regularly now. Um, I have one more on... uh, online teaching, some considerations to make, and then I'm going to try and get back to some tools and some how to use them, how I use them, and uh, stay safe, stay healthy. See you next time. This has been Old Dog New Tech with Jeff West. You can reach me at olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. That's olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. Send me an email or leave me a review on iTunes. And remember, when integrating tech into your classroom, don't try to be perfect. Just be patient.